And in the midst of the upheaval, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the uncertainty, we see Daniel live a completely different life. And what he writes to us as we see the story of his life, as we see the visions that God gives him, as we see the dreams that he interprets, there's this one message that God gives to Daniel to give to his people, that even in a world filled with chaos and uncertainty, our God still reigns. And so this has just been, I think, uh, a book that has resonated with me, that no matter what chaos or uncertainty we experience, the message that was true in every stage of Daniel's life is true today. God still reigns. And today we're going to pick it up in the last two chapters of the book of Daniel. It talks about this last vision that Daniel gets. And over and over again, uh, this, in this vision, there's an angel that appears to him, and he keeps on saying, write down these words and seal the book because it's going to be useful to people in the future. Seal these words, seal this vision for people in the future. And so if you want to join with me in the book of Daniel, if you don't have a physical Bible, you can go uh, to your app store and go to the TLV Bible. It's a free uh, app for a Messianic translation of the Bible. And so beginning in chapter 11, this angel is unpacking to Daniel what's going to happen. And just right before this happened, Daniel is in this time of intense prayer. Like last week we talked about prayer. And Daniel had been praying for the Jewish people to come back into the land, right? Because he read the this prophecy in the scriptures that said after 70 years God would bring them back. And so he's praying for that to come to pass. And it happens and yet, we still him still struggling because even though some of the Jewish people have been going back to the land, things are still a mess in Israel and still a mess in Babylon. And so even though the God answered this prayer and kept his promise, Daniel is still struggling with how bad things are. And that's when he gets this vision from an angel. And unfortunately, the vision from the angel tells him things are going to get even worse. And basically, the angel tells him about two things. He tells him about Hanukkah, and he tells him about the end of the world. And so as we look at, at Daniel 12, the angel is telling him, unfortunately, things are going to get worse. He tells him that there's a king who's going to rise up. We now know this is Antiochus Epiphanes. It says he's going to come, and he's going to destroy the temple. It says he's just going to just wreak havoc on the land, even worse than before, that he's going to pressure and attack the Jewish people, that he's going to use flattery and gifts and money to bribe them away from God. And this angel says it's going to get even worse. But then he says this to him in verse 32. He says, but the people who know their God will stand strong and prevail. And then for the rest of the book of Daniel, it keeps on talking about these people. It describes them, but it begins with this. But the people who know their God. And as I just meditate on that phrase, it just stuck out to me. In Hebrew, this word, no God, it's like a first-hand experience. It means they encountered God. They know him personally. It wasn't they just read about him in a book. It wasn't just they heard about him at temple. It wasn't just they heard stories about him. It means they had a first-hand experience with God. And so this angel is telling Daniel, he says, things in Israel are going to get bad. But he says, but the people who know their God, but the people who have a first-hand 
firsthand experience for their God are going to stay strong and they're going to prevail. And we know now he's talking about the Maccabees, that even in that difficult time in Israel, the Maccabees stood up because they were people who knew their God. And so if there's just one thing I, I think God wants us to take away from this last passage in Daniel, it's this. Make a first-hand experience with God your first priority. And as we look at these chapters in Daniel 11 and 12, we can see that if we make a first-hand experience with God our first priority, it'll give us strength, it'll give us wisdom, and it'll give us a legacy. And so in here it says, in that verse 32, it says, but the people who know their God will be strong and they're going to prevail, right? In Hebrew, it's that word chazak, right? I don't know if you remember, I think when we get to the end of a book, right, we just celebrated Simchator, when we get to the end, we all shout, chazak, chazak, v'ni chazak, be strong, be strong, be strengthened. And so this is what he says, he says, the people who know their God, it'll give them strength. And the interesting thing is he tells them, in, this, in the verses leading up to this, he, it says Antiochus Epiphanes, right? It's talking first about the Maccabees. It says his forces will rise up and profane the temple, and with smooth words of flattery, he'll seduce those who act wickedly against the covenant. And he says that so many in Israel are going to fall, either due to the force and to the attacks or to the flattery and the temptation. But he says those who have a firsthand experience with God are going to be strong. They're going to be courageous. They're going to have chazach. And it's interesting, these two things they're going to be strong against. One, the force of Antiochus and the flattery of Antiochus. And we, we, I think when we have a firsthand experience with God, it frees us from the fear and liberates us from the fear of what can happen. And so that even when faced with force and pressure, we can stay strong for God. He tells them, unfortunately, so many difficult things are going to happen to them. He's says that they're going to be attacked, burned, taken hostage, have everything taken from them. But he says, if you have a firsthand experience with God, you're going to take a hit, but you can know this, these hits will not take you down, that you will reach the end. And so he's letting them know that if you have a firsthand experience with God, it's going to strengthen you no matter what happens. It won't be able to take you down. But also, he says, it's going to strengthen you, so you're not going to become a victim to the flattery. Right? Because sometimes one of the things that can take us down is not just attacks. It's subtle things, right? Earlier on, we had uh, people were jealous of Daniel in the government. And so they go to the king, they go up to Darius, and they say, oh, great king, we want people only to pray to you because you're so amazing. And he gives in to the flattery. And it ends up with Daniel in the lion's den. So often it's not just a force and brute strength and attack that the enemy sends to take us down. It can be more subtle. It can be flattery. It can seem good. And yet what God is saying that is if you have a firsthand experience with God, you're going to be strong in the face of flattery because you're liberated from what people think of you. That if we have a firsthand experience with God, if our identity and affirmation come from the words that we hear from God himself, 
it means that we're not going to be a slave to what other people say about us, to what other people think about us. Because so often we can do things and live our lives and be influenced by acceptance from others, by approval from how they speak to us. But if we have a firsthand experience from God, it will give us strength that we can take both brute force attacks and flattery that can be subtle in our lives. And so this angel has this message and he tells Daniel, seal it up because it's not only going to be important for the Maccabees, but it's going to be important for people throughout history that if we have a firsthand experience with God, it'll give us strength. And then the second thing he tells Daniel is that if you have a firsthand experience with God, it'll give you wisdom. Because he goes on to say in verse 33, after he says, those who know their God will stand strong. He says, those who are wise among the people will instruct many. And he basically, he's saying is that these people who have a firsthand experience with God. It's not only going to give them strength, it's going to give them wisdom. And it says, those who have this wisdom, though for many days they're going to fall by the sword, they'll be burned, they'll be captured, they'll be pillaged. What's interesting to me, right, is he says, these people who have a firsthand experience with God, it'll give them wisdom, but it doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen to them. I think for me, usually in my life, my main motivation for wanting wisdom is, okay, if I have wisdom, I can avoid bad choices that lead to bad things that happen. And what's interesting is he says, even though these people are going to have wisdom, they're still going to face these difficult, painful things. And yet, what I think, what God says about wisdom is it's not just this magic pill, this magic bullet that makes everything easier so we can avoid everything bad in life. But what he says is that the people who have wisdom, it says, they're going to go through difficulty. It says in verse 35, even some of the wise will stumble, or they're going to take a hit. They're going to go through difficulty. But it says this, so that they may be refined purified and made spotless until the time of the end. So this first thing that I take away from that is that if we have a firsthand experience with God, it's going to give us wisdom, but that doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen, that we can avoid every bad outcome. But it means if we have wisdom, we know that pain and suffering doesn't have to be a waste. Because unfortunately, too often in life, we can experience pain and suffering and difficulty, but our, our response to it can just be to try to avoid it or to pretend it's not that bad. And yet, what I think God is saying here is the people who have wisdom realize that they don't need to avoid pain and try to run away from it. They don't need to pretend it doesn't exist. But those who have wisdom know that if pain happens, we don't have to waste it. That if pain happens, God can use that in our lives, that we can use pain for good, that God can redeem it. And, and one of the things about that, right, is Rabbi Paul says in, 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 in 1 Corinthians, right, he says this pain, this suffering is light and momentary compared to what's coming. That in some mystical way that our response to pain doesn't have to be wasted. But if we say, God, I know this pain isn't from you. I know this difficulty isn't from you. But I know that you can use it for good 
Will you use that from good? Will you show me what you want me to learn, what you want to change in me, what you want to do in me during this time? If we have the wisdom to pray for that, then it means this pain and this suffering doesn't have to be wasted, but that it means that God can use it in our lives to refine us, to purify us, and to do good in other people's life. Because it also says, right, those who are wise will instruct many. And the way that we respond to pain and suffering, God can not only use to build us up and to strengthen and refine us, but the way we respond to suffering and pain can have a transformational effect on other people's lives, right? If we remember a few weeks ago, uh, several weeks ago, Justin, my friend Justin, gave his testimony. He was talking about after he had an accident that resulted in paralysis, he is in the hospital, and yet he has a firsthand encounter with God. And he senses God saying to him, if you trust me in this, if you're willing to release control and to trust me, he said, not only am I going to use this in your life, but it's going to influence everybody around you. And just hearing from Justin, I could see how it changed his family, changed the, the situation with the doctors from being one of just grief and sadness and uncertainty and fear to one of shalom and peace. And so this angel is writing to Daniel so that we could have these words to know if we have a firsthand experience with God, it'll give us strength and it'll give us wisdom and wisdom to know that pain doesn't have to be wasted, but that God can redeem every experience of pain. And as we look more at wisdom, it says not only that they're going to be refined and purified, it says, but until the time of the end. And over and over again in this passage, it says later on, it says that everyone whose name is written in the book of life will be delivered, right? It says in the end, they will be delivered. It says everyone. It doesn't say some of those who trust in Yeshua will be delivered or some of them or everyone who trusts in Yeshua will probably be delivered. It says everyone whose name is in the book will be delivered in this end. And I think this other aspect to wisdom is that in the midst of pain, it doesn't have to be a waste, but it's not also going to last forever, right? There is some truth to that phrase, this too will pass. That if we have wisdom, we can know that not only does the pain not have to be a waste, but that God has given us the strength that we can endure to the end, that it won't last forever. It doesn't have to outlast us because God promises that we will endure to the end if we trust him, if we have that firsthand experience with him. And so we can see in Daniel, God is saying, <laughs> unfortunately, things are going to get even worse He's saying it's going to get worse during the time of the Maccabees and even worse at the end of the world. And yet he says, those who have a firsthand experience with God, it'll give them strength. It'll give them wisdom. But he also says it'll give them a legacy. In chapter 12, he says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse, and those who turn many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. He's saying that those who have a firsthand experience with God, that they can share this with others, that's going to have a legacy that lasts forever. That if we have a firsthand experience with God, it doesn't just have to end with us, 
but this firsthand experience with God can give us a legacy. And as I think about that, I can't help but think about Joshua and Caleb in the book of Judges. Because in this chapter, it says those who know their God, and it uses the same phrases at the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges. It says that Joshua knew God, right? And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Because he had this firsthand experience with God. And he says, so choose for yourself. And the people respond, we're not going to worship other gods because we know our God who brought us out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, we're going to worship God. They had this firsthand experience with God. And so this next generation that Joshua is speaking to, because they have that firsthand experience, there's this legacy. But unfortunately, what we see later on in Joshua 24, it says, Israel worshiped Adonai all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua because they had known all the work that Adonai had done for Israel. And then in, in Judges chapter 3, in verse 7, it says the same thing. The people worshipped Adonai all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who had lived Joshua, all who had seen the great work that Adonai had done for them. But in verse 10, but... When all the generations, when, but when all that generation were gathered to their fathers, there arose another generation after them that did not experience Adonai firsthand or the work that he had done for Israel. And then B'nai Yisrael, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, did was evil in Adonai's eyes, and they worshipped the gods of the land. It's interesting, it says, right, Joshua had this firsthand experience with God, and so he says, for me and my house will serve the Lord. It says all the elders who had that experience, right, who said, we saw how God took us out of Egypt, it says they served God. But then it says there was a generation after them that did not experience Adonai firsthand, and they walked away. And so if we have a firsthand experience with God, it can mean a legacy. And the question I have is, how do we avoid that, right? How do we have a legacy where it's not then the next generation that falls away, right? I think about a bar mitzvah. I think about what Leo just did in reading this verse from the Torah. What can we do so this legacy is passed on? And I can't help but think about Caleb. In a few chapters earlier, uh, this is towards the end of Caleb and Joshua's life. And Caleb comes up to Joshua. They had, they had just gotten into the land. They're now going and they're receiving their inheritance. And, and Caleb goes up to Joshua, and now he's 80 years old. And I just picture him, like, hunched over. And he's like, at 40 years old, I'm just as strong as— I mean, he's like, at 80 years old, I'm just as strong as I was at 40. He says, so if God is with me, I want as my inheritance the like the, the, the hardest city to conquer. He chooses Hebron, the city with the strongest, like worst warriors, biggest people there are. And eight-year-old Joshua is like, let me at them. If God is with me, I can take them, right? Caleb has this attitude because he has this firsthand experience with God. And at 80 years old, because he's had this firsthand experience with God, he's not afraid of the giants that are younger and stronger and more powerful. And so he gets that land. And then what's interesting is in the next chapter he says this he says but whoever conquers this city with me 
is going to marry my daughter, join the family, and inherit the land with me. And so this guy, Othniel, is the one who joins Caleb, defeats the giants, and conquers the city. And that's the last time you hear of Othniel in the book of Joshua, but that's not the end of his story. Because then we see later on in chapter 3 of Judges, right? It says after the generation that didn't have a firsthand experience with God, after they walked away, it says after that, life became very difficult for Israel. They were attacked by their enemies, and they cried out for God. And it says in Judges 3, verse 9, when the people of Israel cried out to Adonai, Adonai raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, from Caleb's family. The first one in the book of Judges, right, this first judge to rise up is Othniel. Because what happened is Othniel could have gone the way of the rest of his generation. But what happened is Caleb said, I'm not just going to have this firsthand experience. I want this for you too. And so because Caleb doesn't just have this firsthand experience, but he says, what can I do so that you have a firsthand experience with God too? Othniel doesn't go the way of the rest of his generation. And he's actually able to turn the generation back to God later on in his life because he had a firsthand experience with God. And so for us, as I see this, I see if we have a firsthand experience with God, It'll give us strength, it'll give us wisdom, and it can give us a legacy. And as I look at this, right, what does it take? How do we then have this? How do we pass on that firsthand experience, right? Because we can't force it, right? Caleb can't push people and say, okay, you're coming with me to conquer it, right? He can't force it, but he can facilitate it. And what we see is it says for Caleb and for those other elders, it says that when they told their children about what God had done in their life, when they told their children about their firsthand experience with God, when they invited them to experience God with them, when they set them up like Caleb did to have a firsthand experience with God for himself, that changed things. And so for me, this takeaway is that as we're thinking about legacy, as we're thinking about people we're ministering to, people we're discipling, children, people we want to impact, the most important thing is not just the information we give them. That's good. It's not just the habits that we help them develop. That's even better. But the thing that changes things is helping people have a firsthand experience with God for themselves to be able to tell them firsthand what God has done in our life, to invite them to experience God with us, and to help set them up, to help position them to encounter God for themselves. That's what did it for Caleb and Othniel. And I think that's a challenge for us, that when it comes to our pursuit of God, when it comes to us wanting to, to make an impact in other people's lives, to make a firsthand experience with God our first priority. And the thing about it is that it's not just that we, like good things will come if we want a firsthand experience with God. God wants to have a firsthand experience with us. And the, in the book of Daniel, a few chapters real, in, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel is told that there is going to be a Messiah who comes. He's going to be cut off. He's going to die before the destruction of the temple. But why? Because God wants to be with us. That the walls that separate us from God, he wants to tear down. 
that the guilt, that the shame, that the fear that prevent us from encountering God, God overcame himself by Yeshua's death and resurrection. That it's not just that we should want a firsthand experience with God, is that God wants to know us, that he wants to meet us, and that he went through heaven and hell to do it. And that because of what Yeshua did, we can have a firsthand experience with God for ourselves. And so, as Jillian comes up to lead us into worship, to see, okay, if we have a firsthand experience with God, how can we be strong and prevail? In Hebrew, it's got this idea of be strong and take action, be strong and do exploits, that if you have this firsthand with God, you can conquer a city like Caleb and Othniel, that there are areas in life that we can conquer if we have a firsthand experience with God, and that we can do it because of what Yeshua did for us. And so I want us to go away with this just idea in our mind of imagine what would happen in our life if we had a firsthand experience with God. I think about what would happen if in the morning when I wake up, if I didn't just want to read God's word so I could check it and think that I'd done it, but that I open the word each morning because I want a firsthand experience with God. That as I'm trying to share with others and make an impact in their life, that what if I made my first priority them having a firsthand experience with God? And I just imagine what could God do in my life? What could God do in each of our lives? What could God do in our families? What could God do in our community if we make a firsthand experience with God our first priority? And so if you just want to join me in prayer, Father, we thank you that we can have a firsthand experience with you because Yeshua broke every barrier between us and you. God, would you open our eyes to what Yeshua has done, that we would realize how amazing it is, that it would wreck us and undo us, that the God who created the universe with the word wants to know us. And God, as we go into the Shabbat, we don't want this just to be a day to go through the motions. We want a firsthand experience with you because of Yeshua. In his name, we come before you and encounter you. Amen.